When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hazel's Story, an epic saga podcast. We're here to dive into the panels and pages of Brian K. Vaughn and Fiona Staples' comic book masterpiece, unpacking the amazing characters, themes, and weirdness in this grand space opera. My name's Abu. And I'm Alan. And Alan, it's another month, and you know what that means. Another chapter of saga, baby! Yes, I cannot believe it. Two months in a row after three and a half years of waiting for new chapters, it's actually happening. We're going to get new chapters month by month. Brian and Fiona, I have waited so long for this. The world has waited so long for this. We cannot express our appreciation. For sure. And you know, fun little fact, Alan, people loved our chapter 55 instant reaction episode. And we're going to do the same thing today for chapter 56. You and I went to the comic shop just earlier today, picked up the new chapter, and we've read it. And now we're here, ready to geek out about it. I'm so excited. I also was kind of delighted to see that the chapter 55 quick react was the most listened to episode we put out so far. It's cool to see that we have both new readers of Saga following along with our read along episodes, and then folks like us who've read all the way through the book that are engaging with us as we read the new chapters and delight in all of the awesomeness. Yeah. That being said, it is now time for the huge spoiler warning because we today will discuss chapter 56 of Saga and potentially things that happened in the 55 chapters before that. Mm -hmm. So if you have not read all of Saga up through chapter 56, the one that came out just today, stop listening right now. Seriously, just stop. Skip this one. We'll be back in one week with another deep dive on another set of amazing chapters. But today, we're all about chapter 56, brand new, fresh off the comic book shop rack. We're going to give you all our first reactions, but we want to hear from you as well. So please send us your thoughts, reactions, whatever on New Saga as these chapters are coming out. Mm -hmm. It's truly astounding to see just how many people have read Saga through the years that it's been on hiatus and are now just devouring these new chapters. Yeah, that is so cool. Definitely share your reactions and theories with us. Hazelstorypodcast at gmail.com is the best place to reach out to us. And we might share your email in a future episode as well. Hazelstorypodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget the two S's there in the middle. Okay, let's get into the episode, Alan, because we're just stoked to be back in the Sagaverse. Absolutely. So I have to start by saying that I was completely unprepared for picking up this story after taking a whole month off since the last issue. I had gotten so used to reading chapter by chapter yeah. in the trades or in the digital versions that I started reading chapter 56. And I was like, wait, what the fuck happened at the end of chapter 55? So I had to go back. I had to pick up my issue from last month and do what I realized I used to do with comics is read the last couple pages of the last issue and be like, oh, right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, cliffhanger, giant pirate ship, especially because chapter 56 starts with finding out what happens when their ship got tractor beamed something by a giant skull. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, back to the actual story. My first sort of thought as I was looking through this is just how much 
Brian seems to be really into music in these new chapters. There's that yes. whole scene in chapter 55 where Hazel and Squire are like dancing around. And then in chapter 56, we end up getting a band and a pirate music store that is inside a pirate ship, I'm just going to point out. But just like everything <laughs> is evocative of, to me, what is like a very familiar like music vibes. There's people dancing around to music. There's like a ragtag group of sort of maybe punk rock musicians, who knows? And then what looks like a Tower Records? Honestly, for those of you who remember Tower Records, which is another point where I was like, why is this pirate music store collection? Why is it full of CDs? We have all the technology <laughs> in the universe, but CDs? <laughs> really? Yeah. No Spotify in the Saga universe, confirmed. Canon. Apparently not, which did then make me realize that there's also no <laughs> smartphones in the Saga universe. Ooh. Like there's, they're like phone, phone communicators, right? Like people call each other on the phone. Yeah. But never once at any point do you see somebody pull out anything akin to a smartphone, which I think has to do with Brian K. Vaughn's like sort of kind of hatred of technology. He writes most of his scripts on a typewriter. He's like one of those guys. Yeah. But then Fiona digitally paints all of the pictures. I don't know. Anyway, one last thought that I had on that whole music thing was... The last panel where they're like about to leave the pirate music store scene or whatever, mm -hmm. and Hazel's eyes explode like in the giant like saucer eyes and just says, what the heck is a guitar? Yeah. And it's just like that joy of discovering like what rock music and what a guitar can be and just the vibes. I don't know. It, it, it was it was truly, truly amazing. Right. And the narration that accompanies that quote, you never know when or where your first addiction might find you but there's a chamber of your heart that will have been waiting for it since the day you were born, end quote. Uh, yeah, that, that whole thing about addiction has been an interesting through line. Yeah. Alana's addiction to fade away earlier in, I don't know, the middle chapters. I don't remember what part of the story that is, like volume four, I think. But then here, yeah, this idea of both addiction is used to describe somebody's love of music. And then there's a little bit of voiceover immediately after that where the Hazel narrator says, they say the devotion that a parent has for a child is nothing like actual addiction, but I don't know. Which is, it's a it's a very interesting idea for Brian to be sort of probing into what constitutes an addiction, what is right. just devotion, what is obsession, what is addiction, what do all of those things mean? It's super interesting. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely an interesting through line in this chapter. I also, to... Alana's fadeaway point, I saw some theories after chapter 55 last month online that we may potentially get another Alana falling back into her fadeaway addiction. And hmm. I think this chapter puts that to rest, that Alana is selling the drugs, but she is not taking them. Yeah. I also just love how fadeaway looks like chocolate bars. I don't know why that <laughs> delights me so Hershey's. much. Yeah. Right. They just they literally look like bricks of chocolate bars. And like it looks like how you do the drug is you just eat it like a chocolate bar. Right. And something about that is just kind of wonderful to me because there's like the juxtaposing one of the most wholesome images I can think of with like drug use. But also it's kind of easy to draw. I don't know. Yeah. It's it's fun. I love it. It's like all things that like whomever's idea was it was between Brian and Fiona. I love it. Yeah. It looks kind of delicious. I tried some. <laughs> Maybe like a bite or two. Sure. <laughs> so the first thing I wanted to chat about, Alan, is just the sense of dread that I had all throughout this chapter. I know this story too well, and I know the twists and turns that Brian and Fiona have taken us on this tale mm -hmm. over the last 55 issues, that the moment early in this chapter where Hazel's narration says, quote, believe it or not, some of my best memories are from the time my brother and I spent aboard this thing, end quote. She's talking about the pirate ship. I was just waiting for the other shoe to drop. 
I was like, something's going to go bad. Like this, not things are not all hunky dory because they never are. Well, there's so much to unpack in just that sentence, right? My brother and I spent some of the best years of our life. There's no mention of Alana. There's no mention of their new companion. Like, yeah, what? And then that sets up at the very end, the sort of devil's bargain that this pirate skipper proposes that she's going to leave her kids behind on this ship, potentially to protect them because the mission she's going to go on is going to be so dangerous and that she's going to leave Uncle Bombazine back to like watch after them. But all of that ties together to lead you to believe that some bad shit is going to happen and that maybe this time we're up for a long separation between Hazel and Alana as opposed to the years that Hazel spent apart from Marco earlier on. That would just be heartbreaking. I found it so sad that the start of this chapter set up this pirate group to not be malicious, but my instant reaction was distrust. Yeah. They're set up to be these people who hate the war just as much as our heroes do, as our family does. Right. But ultimately, as we saw by the end of this chapter, nobody escapes this thing. Nobody escapes the war and nobody escapes the bigotry and hatred that exists between the horns and the wings. Well, and that nobody's ever safe, right? We talked about that in our last deep dive episode about how both at any given point, any character you've grown to love could die. Yeah. But also at any given point, any character you've grown to love, you could find out has committed an act of horrible violence. So really what's set up as existing in this universe is that no one is ever safe. There's no safety. There's no anything. You just always have to have your guard up all the time, which is why it's, of course, when we get the first panel, full page panel of this chapter with like you know, a lovable group of ragtag, like, crew members. Like, yeah. oh, look how cute and funny and quirky, and they're all different. Yeah, and some of the crew, to be fair, do seem like good people. Like, I'm, I'm interested in your take on Skipper. To me, by the end of the chapter, I got the sense that the pirate Skipper guy with the big horns is sort of the true criminal mastermind behind this yeah. operation, and that these band kids... I got the sense that they were all kind of young are also sort of being manipulated by him. Like he's made them promises so that they will do these gigs for him. But he he's the mastermind behind the scenes. Right. Well, you even have that classic like he's our manager, which it's like, yeah, when has a band manager ever had the best interests of a band at heart with the exception of like the Beatles manager? But like other than that, like every band manager in the history of rock music has like tried to screw over the band in some way. So, right. Yeah, there's right. definitely some some red flag warning signs. Yeah. When Skipper up there is kind of like our manager, although actually, as I was reading that um, robot that's in the band, I don't know if it was the like fuck the monarchy shirt or whatever yeah. but i was definitely reading it in like a <laughs> sex pistols british accent oh i love that i don't know if that was the vibe you got like he's like a punk rock sort of british sex pistols like skipper up there is kind of like our manager after we finish a few more jobs <laughs> for him he's gonna help us cut off our demo it's like I yeah this is this guy's like a wannabe sex pistols rock star so good for yeah him. i was instantly drawn to the fuck the monarchy robot guy <laughs> so right. cool. no no he, he rules <laughs> yeah i do truly hope that this arc, I'm sure there will be twists and turns, but I hope this rock band gets along with Hazel and potentially teams up with the family against this skipper manager guy. That would be cool to see, but of course, this is saga. Impossible to predict what will happen. <sighs> Absolutely. Uh, and speaking of TVs, we didn't even talk about getting to see King Robot again. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> I had forgotten that we have seen King Robot before. 
So when I flipped the page and got to that panel, I burst out laughing. Because my guy is like this $3,000 OLED 8K HDR display. Like he's rocking the best robot head money can buy. The only, as far as I think we've seen, 16 by 9 widescreen, presumably <laughs> yeah, HDTV. Yeah. Everyone right. else has like a 4 by 3 SDTV. So clearly only the king is allowed to be in, in any kind of HD. Yeah, which actually, you know, being sort of the lore geek that I am, Raises a couple of questions for me, Alan, because now I'm wondering, was the king just born this way or do robots age and change as they grow? Like, do they start off as like a really shitty CRTV and then age into like an HD widescreen TV? Mm -hmm. Or is it perhaps a socioeconomic thing? Like the king is obviously the most powerful and presumably the wealthiest person in the kingdom. Mm Mm-hmm. And we see this like fuck the monarchy guy who has like a dirty old school CRTV head. So perhaps it's just a uh, sign of wealth and power and status. I don't know. Also remember the janitor character who actually kidnapped Prince Robot the fourth is kid. Mm. Like he mm-hmm. was a janitor and he was also like an old shitty like beat up 80 CRT. So yeah. if I was going to make a theory about your metaphor, I would make the theory that they're not actually born. They are like full on robots with like an OS. So I would guess that they're all built with like the simplest like stock specifications, like specifications and features. Yeah. And then like depending on how rich they are, they can afford to get upgrades. So it's like when you start out in a video game with like the shittiest outfit, but then if you really grind it out, you can like build up and get better armor and better stuff. Mm -hmm. So in this case, the king is the richest. So he's the one who can afford a giant widescreen HD display. And then all these other folks don't have as much money, so they can't afford cool add-ons like hand blaster cannons or even this tv officer who walks in it's hard to tell because they don't have faces but like is this the same robot officer that the reporters were interviewing about alana who had been alana's commanding officer yeah it looks like her but i also don't know there's no identifying markings other than she's got a couple badges on her sash so i i don't know yeah that's true that's true that was my first thought as well is perhaps she's the same commanding officer from back in volume three. I will say one thing we know for sure, and this is the last thing we can talk about, is someone we definitely have seen before who shows up in these chapters. Who is it, Abu? I'm flipping through. I'm flipping through. Alligator Butler. Alligator Butler. <laughs> Our guy. I loved it so much just because I hadn't really thought about Alligator Butler any time that I'd read this book except for when reading it for this show because we loved him so much and i love that not only does he show up again but he gets a name his name is bennington uh we find out that his official station is a footman he is not a butler i've watched enough downton abbey to know that those are two different jobs he is a footman (laughs) and his name is bennington and hopefully we will see more of him going forward yes more bennington protect him at all costs if bennington dies i stop reading this story and we kill this podcast Oh, God. (laughs) All right. Well, on that threat to our audience that we're going to abandon them, let's take a quick break. But I promise this time we'll be back and we're going to do a little something different this episode that we haven't done before. So stick around. Okay, folks, welcome back. Let's wrap up this episode in a slightly different way. Normally, Alan, you and I share our favorite panels, and our favorite quotes from each of the chapters that we dive into. Yep. But today, 
In today's chapter, at the end, there is a letter from Brian K. Vaughn, and he includes in this letter a saga reader survey, which Brian and Fiona have done before, and this is what he writes about the last time they did this survey. Quote, We quickly discovered from the onslaught of responses that you weirdos absolutely love answering intensely personal questions. End quote. So... Instead of ending on our favorite panels and quotes today, Alan, I think you and I should be a pair of weirdos and end today's episode by answering some deeply personal questions, rapid fire style. I am here for it. All right. Starting right off with, do you love your job? Some days. Similar, depends on which job and which day. I always love the job of being a dad and a husband, which is cheesy, but true. (laughs) And I usually love my day job. Cute. All right, Alan, how many pushups can you do? So I know this actually, because I started trying to do them in the new year. I can do 20 push-ups straight, which I'm pretty proud of because I'm almost 40 and that seems like something I should be proud of. Yeah, love that. Cut your age by half. I can probably do about a dozen. That That's fair. I feel like <laughs> we are not the peak demographic for push-up doers. All right, next question. What are your pronouns? He, him. Same, he, him. Easy. Next question. Did that last question bother you? No. Me neither. And I wish that wasn't a relevant thing that you had to ask. Yeah. Ugh. That comes up in this chapter today, too. Yeah. All right. Next question. Other than the incomparable Fiona Staples, who is your favorite comic book artist? Man, I'm embarrassed to admit that I don't actually read enough comics to have a favorite comic book artist. I feel like part of that's, too, that, like, creators and artists as being known names is really something in the last 10 years or so. Like I Mm. read a lot of comics in the 90s and I could not have probably named any comics drawers until like Image came around. Anyway, that's a long answer. My favorite is Jeff Lemire. Jeff Lemire, hands Mm. down, is my favorite. He's a rare complete package in that he writes and draws all his own books. Wow. Uh, He has a bunch of graphic novels that are wonderful and also an ongoing series that was recently made into a Netflix show called Sweet Tooth. It's an excellent book. I actually have a framed print of there's young boy characters in his comic Sweet Tooth, The Underwater Welder, and Essex County hanging in my daughter's room, and I love it. It's one of my favorite pieces of art. Very cute. All right, enough about comics. Alan, what do you smell like? Uh, Dryer sheets, usually. (laughs) I really love dryer sheet smell, so I always use dryer sheets in my laundry. I don't know. I think that's that's a great smell. (laughs) Totally. What about you? I probably usually just smell like the regular scented Axe deodorant that comes in a two-pack. Sure. That's all I've used for like a decade. (laughs) That's fair. All right. Next question is, who is the best bald fictional character who is not a villain? Which I feel like is asked because Brian K. Vaughn is famously very bald. Yeah. My answer is Professor Charles Xavier from X-Men. Of course. Right. Of course. Best bald character of all time i feel like i'll go to the other end of the comic spectrum and go with kind of a anti-hero spider jerusalem from the vertigo comic transmetropolitan from the 90s is one of the maybe best bald fictional characters out there love it all right this next one's easy ketchup yay or nay yay all day every day on everything fries only exist because you need a vehicle to put the ketchup in your body (laughs) completely agree yay for me as well uh, this one's weird, but we'll just go ahead with it. <laughs> Have you ever killed anyone? Weird indeed. And my lawyer says that I should not say anything. Yeah, for me, I have a follow up, which is any one person. Because in that case, no. <laughs> All 
All right. What was the number one movie in America on the day you were born? Uh, so I was born in 1982. October 9th is my birthday. And the movie was An Officer and a Gentleman, which is it's a good movie starring Richard Gere. And it's thoroughly enjoyable. For me, it was some movie called CB4 starring Chris Rock. My birthday is March 12th, 1993. So <laughs> I read this already when I was looking over this script and I've never seen this movie, but it was incredibly heavily advertised on, ironically, Marvel comic book back covers when it was out. Oh my gosh. Back when I used to read comics in 1993, I was 10 years old and I was reading a lot of Marvel comics. So I'm very aware of this movie. Also, <laughs> this makes me realize that I've been reading comic books since before you were born, which is weird. <laughs> Okay, this next one keeps the weird questions coming. Who's the most famous person you've ever touched? I had to think about this one, but then I remembered for work many years ago, I had to put a mic on John Legend for a video shoot. So I have touched him in a weird way. I put a microphone on him. So what's funny is that you and I met Abu because we had similar jobs. So I also have had that task of having to put wireless lavalier mics on famous people. And you usually have to either like Sometimes help them put it up under their shirt or just like hand it to them, tell them what to do and turn around. So Emma Watson is probably the most famous person who I ever had to do that to. And it was a little weird. And she was also totally fine with it because professional. Next question, Alan. Do you believe in angels? No. Me neither. I don't really have a reason. I just don't believe them. <laughs> On to the next question. Is there a podcast you think we should be listening to? <laughs> I love this. Yes, I think Brian K. Vaughn and Fiona Staples should be listening to this podcast and also all the amazing shows we make on the Lord Party Podcast Network. Yes. Sorry for the shameless plug. Totally fine. Uh, I was going to suggest Ganjabar, the Dune podcast that you co-host. It's amazingly fun. Also, I have to shout out Pop Culture Happy Hour, which is the first podcast I ever started listening to way, way back in 2010. Mm. And Glenn Weldon is one of the panelists on there. And he is the person who I think introduced Free Comic Book Day to the wider NPR audience, and I salute him for his efforts. Wow. All right, these next couple questions get a bit more serious. Alan, what did you lose during the pandemic? So I didn't really lose anything like tragic or no one passed away, but I feel like I have some friendships that have dwindled, which is why I'm looking forward to, I've heard people talking of this upcoming spring as friendship spring, when we can all just like <laughs> make a concerted effort to rebuild our friendships, and I'm into that. That's funny. I feel the opposite. I also was very lucky to not have lost anything that truly matters. And in fact, I cut down on some of my extended friends. And now I got that core group that I know and love so much. And I'm going to stick with them. <laughs> Abu making the late 20s choices about who his real friends are. Um, well, I feel like this might tie into it. What would you say you gained from the pandemic then, Abu? This does tie in. I think I truly gained an appreciation for my chosen family, my close friends, the people I love, who are near and dear to me. And the pandemic has shown me just how much their love and support means to me and how much I do really need it. I Mine is a little more small in scope, but it's just the joy and the knowledge that I now know that my wife and I can, and in fact, very much enjoy being around each other all day, every day, which we have done for the last almost two years. And to be honest, I think if we have to go back into our offices, I'll miss it. <laughs> yeah, I love that. You and your wife are goals. <laughs> okay, next question. Are you a fairly accurate representation of your astrological sign? I know, probably not, except that I know <laughs> as a Libra, I'm allegedly predisposed to being fair, like Libra is the scales, but I think that's just like a thing all people should be predisposed to fairness. So like, I don't know. <laughs> My answer is also, I don't know. 
Astrology is one thing I know absolutely nothing about, and I had to actually Google it, and I guess I'm a fish. <laughs> I love that you didn't even know what sign you were. Like, that's not a thing <laughs> that we even know. All right, uh, next question. How is your local comic shop doing? Uh, love to shout out St. Mark's. That's where you and I went today to go pick up the newest chapter. St. Mark's in Brooklyn, they uh, seem to be doing all right. The comic book shop I used to go to before St. Mark's, which is Galaxy Collectibles on Fifth Avenue in Park Slope, was closed during the pandemic. And I was really sad about that because I thought they were gone for good, but they've opened back up again, which is amazing. Yay. You love to see it. Okay. Heavy question. Are you happy? I had to like think about this and I ended up at, yeah, you know, I am. I'm doing great. But like. (laughs) Very true. My answer was also yes after I gave it some thought. And it's something I try to remind myself every day because I think oftentimes we get so busy We forget to remember how happy we truly are. All right, next question. What would it take for you to be happier? Ooh, so for me, I am starting to learn and process that the things that I think will make me happier are actually things outside of my control. And thus, they should have nothing to do with my happiness. Whoa, that is some very uh, (laughs) sort of transcendent. I don't want to ascribe it to any particular philosophy, but just like, sounds like you're chill. That's delightful. I think the thing that would make me happier would be making fewer things that happen my fault, which is just generally my predisposition. When anything happens bad, I usually make it my fault in my head and I should figure out how to not do that. You should. Nothing's ever your fault. Alan, do you have any trophies? I don't know if you're a sports guy. So I actually have a bunch of Taekwondo trophies from high school. I actually have a black belt in Taekwondo from when I was in high school. I did it for five years and I used to go to tournaments and like fight other guys and win trophies. But that is not even close to my most impressive trophy, which is in fact when I won first place at the citywide Denver Public School Mathletics Competition and was so proud to have been the best math nerd in all of Denver. As you should be. That's amazing. I myself have no sports trophies, but I did at one point win a very small ping pong tournament that my local mosque was holding when I was a teenager. That counts. Ping pong is a sport. They do it in the Olympics. (laughs) All right, next question. What is the best sandwich you've ever eaten? This was tough. I'm not a sandwich guy. So I'll answer this by sharing my lazy go-to lunch that I always throw together when days are super busy. It's two Nutella sandwiches, a handful of jalapeno chips, and a pickle. I would eat all of those things, but totally separately. So I wish you the best of luck. (laughs) Uh, My favorite sandwich, I don't even remember what it was called, but I don't eat bread anymore because I have a gluten thing. But I would die for like a giant overstuffed Italian hero on like a Italian bread with like every kind of Italian meat plus provolone, vinegar and peppers. And like, clearly I have not eaten dinner yet. (laughs) (laughs) Next question. How is slash was your relationship with your grandparents. So sadly, all four of my grandparents and even I had a step-grandfather as well have passed away, which is a thing that's a little sad for me that my daughter won't ever get to meet any of them. But yeah. Yeah, that's a bummer. I'm kind of in the same boat. I have no more grandparents anymore. And when they were alive, the relationship was loving but distant, both emotionally and geographically. They were in Pakistan on the literal other side of the globe. (laughs) Got it. All right. These are going to get into, I don't know, this, this is, there's a darkness here that I feel yeah. like Brian Kavon wrote a little bit about in his letter, but we talked about this as a through line in Saga. The question is, do you have any addictions? Yeah, I had to give this one some thought, and I landed on the fact that I definitely am ready to acknowledge that I have a pop slash soda addiction. Mm-hmm. And it's something that honestly, 
now that I'm in my late 20s, my aging tummy can no longer handle. The caffeine and carbonation is just too much, but I literally power through stomach aches so I can have another Coke. It's bad. Yeah. Addiction is a tricky word for for me, and I think obviously for Brian K. Vaughn because he's dealing with it as a sort of theme in this book. But I will just say that during the last winter, the first winter of the pandemic, me and alcohol realized that we were not a good combination, and I have been much happier without it coming up on a year now. Wow, that's amazing. All right, last question in this survey. What's one good quality of someone you hate? So I struggle a little bit to think of somebody who I hate specifically, although I'm sure I've said in my life, like, I hate X person. But there is a common quality of people who I wish I could just never interact with again, which is selfishness just in general and just like not putting anyone else's needs over your own needs. Like, I hate that. I hate when people do that. Totally agree. And I was in the same boat. I legitimately sat on this one for a bit and couldn't think of anyone that I hate. Hate is such a strong word. There are plenty of people in my life that I dislike and avoid. (laughs) but no one that I would outright call a nemesis. So I kind of punted on this one. That is fair. And that's all the questions. Uh, If you got this issue of Saga on paper, Brian encourages you to rip the page out of the book, fill out the survey, I guess, with a pen, and then mail it to them. Because again, Brian Kavon actually hates technology and loves to get snail mail. So I might actually do it. Or you can also print it out off a digital copy or like photocopy it. Are there still photocopiers? Is that a thing? I don't know. You're talking about fax machines, Alan. I have no idea. All of that was before my time. I'm also definitely going to rip it out and mail mail this into Brian. But I, I loved the survey. I feel like through it, I've actually gotten to know you a lot better. We've been friends for many years, but this survey like kind of got us to open up. Thanks, Brian. Thanks, Saga. As always, the gift continues to give everything we could possibly want. But stay tuned. We'll be back with a regular deep dive episode into chapters 15 through 18 in one week. Uh, So make sure you've read up through chapter 18 before next week. And can't wait. We'll see you then.